Hello, and welcome to Paper Boys, the podcast where we unravel the research papers behind the latest major headlines in science. Every Thursday, we go to the source of the story to open up the work behind beautiful new discoveries and cut through misinformation in the media. I'm your host, Charlie, and today I am bringing in a paper about blowing up your lab. <laughs> I'm your other host, James, and I haven't read this paper about blowing up the lab, so I'm very interested and will definitely be asking a lot of questions. James and I are both PhD students, and we read a lot of papers for our own research. So this podcast is our way of sharing our love for science with anyone else who wants to learn about discoveries that affect all of us. Where are the paper boys? So, Charlie, you mentioned this paper is about blowing up your lab. Well, uh, so the paper is not about blowing up your lab. I'll admit I gave a little clickbait there. Eh, It's not clickbait if they're already listening. Yeah, no one clicked after I said that. No. They they clicked before I said that. (laughs) So, no, it's there is a lab blowing up involved, or at least a very expensive piece of equipment blowing up involved. But what this is really about is magnetic fields. Magnetic fields. And so what was the headline that led you to this discovery? There were actually a lot of headlines. Popular Mechanics said, Scientists create ultra-powerful magnetic field immediately blows up. And then the subtitle is, Behold the most powerful controlled field in history. Whoa, that's big. Yeah, so what is really going on here is that there was a world record magnetic field generated. Okay. And... There were a couple, there were actually a lot of stories on this. Um, IEEE Spectrum, which is, I think, like a news outlet of the IEEE Electrical Engineering Organization. Uh, As an an IEEE member, I can assure you that that is correct. You're an avid reader of IEEE Spectrum. It's a great magazine. Their headline, go ahead. (laughs) Their headline is Magnetic Field Record Set with a Bang, 1200 Tesla. Whoa. Which we'll get into what that means. Okay. And why we're talking about Tesla. So this made the news for many reasons. Record magnetic field, and also it sounds like a very dramatic explosion. Yeah, so... On the relative scale of a science laboratory. Yes. I I think the real reason that this made headlines is that it blew up the lab. (laughs) (laughs) Because this, it's not like this was suddenly... This is very groundbreaking. It's actually a very big deal what they've done. But this lab has set records before leading up to this, and Mm -hmm. it wasn't... No one really cared. Okay. But then they published this video on YouTube of, hey, this latest time we did it, it blew up our machine. Everyone picks up the video. So then it's, you know, a pile on to, oh, okay, we got to report on what the science is here too, because we can't just show this video and not say anything. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's gone really viral. Yeah. So it's absolutely gone viral. And I'll, I'll show you the video actually when we kind of get to it. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Okay. I can't wait. I mean, yeah. it's a little bit sad to see as, as an experimentalist, but. This ex- Yeah, this really expensive piece of equipment blow up. Yeah, so, you know, we had a couple other headlines. It was Physics World said, Indoor record for magnetic field strength is smashed by physicists in Japan. Getting a little more sense of what this is. Newsweek, record-breaking magnetic field 50 million times stronger than Earth's, created by scientists. 50 million times greater than Earth's? Yeah, this is, I mean, this is a there's a reason it's field. a world record. It's, this is an extremely strong magnetic field. Wow. The reason that this grabbed my attention was, aside from the cool video or sad video, 
I myself, my research is in plasma physics, mm-hmm. and I have taken many classes where we go over electromagnetic fields, or electric fields and magnetic fields, rather, ad nauseum. And the more that I learn about magnetic fields, the less I feel like I actually know about them. Really? Yeah, because it's one of those things where everyone knows what a magnetic field is, right? I mean, I know it exists, but well, if you're do like... Do you really know what it is? No. I know, like, this is how it behaves in this circumstance, and, like, I can put one on my fridge. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. It's one of those what things... What is it? Yeah, it's one of those things that everyone can talk about a magnetic field, and they can say, oh, well, yeah, the Earth has one, and that's why the compass points a certain direction, because it's aligning with those field lines. But what is a magnetic field line, and wh- how does a magnetic field move an object? And it, it's, it's crazy. The more that you learn about it, I'm not joking, the less you actually understand. All right. So I have to come out with the obvious question. Is there any witchcraft involved in this? In magnetic fields or in the experiments? Either. Okay. Honestly, magnetic fields, a little bit of witchcraft. It's weird. I took one here first, ladies and gentlemen, on Paper Boys. I took one class where the professor actually said, and this is a physics professor, he said, magnetic fields don't actually even exist. What? It's entirely a product of electric fields, which do exist. There's like a famous thought experiment where they talk about if you're in space and then you start moving at a relativistic speed, then this magnetic field will actually go away. And so it all depends on how fast you're moving and how fast these charges are moving that might produce it. Oh, wow. So it really gets down to like atomic physics into why we even have these magnetic fields. Yeah. Magnetic fields are like a very hard physics question, basically. Wow. That's fascinating. And so I won't even pretend to try to teach you everything that I can about magnetic fields because I really don't know that much. I just know a little bit more than probably your average person on the street does, but a lot less than probably your average physicist might. Okay. Well, or or would claim to. I would I would argue that no one really knows if someone tells me they fully understand magnetic fields, I pr- I think they probably know less than I do. <laughs> if only we could get Richard Feynman in here, but um that's going to be tough. If only, yeah. Well, as an established graduate student, I think you are well suited to dive into the article and tell us more. So who is it that actually published this? You mentioned they're from Japan? Yes. So this paper is from a group called the Institute for Solid State Physics at the University of Tokyo. And the authors are, I'm just going to give their last names because it's just first initials. So Nakamura, Ikeda, Sawabe, Matsuda and Takayama. I hope I pronounced those remotely correctly. The paper is titled Record Indoor Magnetic Field of 1200 Tesla Generated by Electromagnetic Flux Compression. Where was this published? This is published in a journal called Review of Scientific Instruments, which is actually, in my field, it's actually a very well-respected journal. Okay. a lot of experimental physics, and it's kind of a catch-all for a lot of experimental science to get published in. So it's cool. You get a good cross-section of lots and lots of different fields. So this is a this is a very well thought out piece of work, at least on paper. Yes. And this lab is very well established. They've done a lot of work over the past probably decade or so uh, on these magnetic fields. And they're, as far as I can tell, the foremost group doing this research. Okay, cool. Okay. So diving right into this, there's a, a couple things we need to talk about just to even understand the title. So we, we've said the word 1,200 Tesla a couple of times. 1,200 electric cars, right? <laughs> no. It's a bad joke. T- Tesla is, that's all right. We're, we're scientists. We don't have to be funny. Uh, 
Tesla is actually a unit of magnetic field strength. Okay. So could you put it into perspective for us? Yeah. Putting this into perspective for you, the Earth's magnetic field is about one gauss. <laughs> so this is weird because a gauss is another unit of magnetic field. Also named after another scientist. Also named after another scientist, which is, I feel like, kind of cheap because it's one thing that just has two different scientist names. Couldn't they have named something cooler for Gauss or something different for Gauss or yeah. for Tesla? Or give a grad student a chance to be Seriously. named after something. Jeez. But so one Tesla is equal to 10,000 Gauss. Whoa. Okay. So now we're saying Earth's magnetic field is about one Gauss. It varies depending on where you are, but it's mm -hmm. it, it could be less than one. Some places it's three, but we'll just say on the order of one Gauss. Okay. So that's one ten thousandth of a Tesla. This magnetic field that they produced is 1,200 Teslas. So this is like 12 billion times stronger than the Earth's magnetic field. No, not quite, but... It's more like 100 million. Well, and you saw there was that one article's headline that said 50 million times stronger than the Earth's magnetic field. Okay. So that's the order of magnitude we're talking about here. Okay. Tens to hundreds of millions of times stronger. Much, much stronger. Than, than the field that you experience moving your compass needle. Okay. So think if that one Gauss field is strong enough to move that piece of metal, <laughs> what do you think 1200 Tesla does? Do you know offhand what the strength of an MRI machine is? I do, actually. An MRI machine, uh, I think on average, they're 1.5 Tesla. Okay, so that's a really strong magnetic field, but not even close to how strong this experiment was. Right. 1.5 Tesla is about like the strongest that you would kind of experience in your everyday life. And they make you remove everything from your body. There's videos where something goes wrong and they left a whatever inside the MRI machine room and like an entire metal cabinet will get thrown across the room by that thing. Whoa, really? Yeah, and that's 1.5 Tesla. Wow. What Do you know what causes bodily harm or like what FDA recommendations are? I don't know if FDA would manage that. You mean in the case of the MRI having an accident? It, like if I were to stand in front of an arbitrarily large magnetic field, like 10 million Tesla, I see. You mean, me? is there some sort of like maximum recommended amount of magnetic field? Yeah. As far as I know, the magnetic field itself doesn't do any damage to you. When you get inside the MRI, you're sitting inside that couple of Tesla strength field. Mm -hmm. And it's actually, it's actually realigning and, and exciting atoms inside your body. Well, there's some microwaves, I think, that are exciting the atoms. But the magnetic field is aligning those atoms and it's controlling things inside your body. It's not really doing you any harm. Where you have to take all the precautions is that it throws metal objects around. Or that if you had some metal in your skin or a pacemaker, it could be ripped out of your body Interesting. in very horrific fashion. That would be awful. I heard even red tattoos from the iron and the ink. Yeah, they, I don't know if that's true. but Well, they do a lot of studies on that where they try to they say, hey, do you have tattoos? I just remember seeing these posters in undergrad all the time. Hey, do you have tattoos? Come down to the MRI lab or wherever they're doing this. Really? And be a test subject, basically. Whoa, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe maybe certain ink, maybe the red ink, like you're describing, has little pieces of iron in it or something to get the coloring, which is a magnetic metal, so. Oh, I can only imagine what that would feel like. I know. Ooh. All right, so 
I wonder if this lab has specific tattoo requirements for their students. <laughs> I would imagine so. Um, so anyways, the way that they generate fields like this is with a machine called a mega gauss generator. Ooh. Which is a pretty badass name. Mega gauss. That sounds yeah, it sounds like a transformer. Or like a, a like a rock band. Or yeah, mega gauss generator. <laughs> <laughs> coming this fall yeah okay a mega gauss generator so i know like from physics class in undergrad we generated a magnetic field just by wrapping a big core of wire you essentially create a big coil with wire and you run a current through it and you generate a magnetic field is that roughly how this works um sort of so you're correct one way to produce a magnetic field is that you take a coil of wire and you run a current through it And when you're running currents through wires, they produce fields around them. And so if you had a straight wire, it would produce a field that's actually circular around the wire. Okay. But then if you... right hand rule. Yeah, the right hand rule is like a, a simple thing from physics that you can use to describe this. Okay. Now, if you wrap that wire into a loop, all of those circular components will add up to create one straight field in the center of that loop. Okay. So that's one way to produce a magnetic field. And that's why if you were to pull apart your speaker, a speaker that you have in your house, you'd see an actual winding of copper wire behind the cone because they actually use that to generate the magnetic field that drives the cone producing sound. Okay, cool. That's a good way to think about it. All right. Well, we just had a pretty major technical difficulty. Half of our episode just got deleted. Yeah, what happened there? (laughs) Well, I shouldn't even say just got deleted. It was last night when we were recording, and something went wrong with the computer, and it just ate up half of our episode. So here we are next day yeah, uh, recording the part that we lost from yesterday. Yeah, maybe you can just imagine a smooth transition like nothing ever happened. Yes, where we left off was that we were talking about how an electromagnet works, where you run a a current through a coil, produces a magnetic field inside that coil. Now, what I want to do is explain how this mega gauss generator works. It's basically taking this electromagnet idea and going to the absolute extreme. Okay. The extreme in what sense? They use these electromagnets to produce an initial field that they stick in the volume they're working with. And then what they do is compress that field into a very small region that makes the field extremely, extremely strong. So they start out with a pretty regular looking magnetic field and they use a metal liner. Okay. Which is essentially just a cylindrical shell made of metal. So just a metal tube with a magnetic field running on the inside? Right. So the magnetic field is running on the inside of this metal tube. And one interesting property of magnetic fields is that in certain conditions, you can conserve magnetic flux. You can conserve magnetic flux, meaning... You can change the geometry and the flux will stay the same through it? Yes. So let me explain what magnetic flux is first. So the flux is essentially just the amount of magnetic field passing through a certain area. So in this case, the area is the cross-section of this cylindrical shell, everything interior to the shell. So you have a field running through it. Let's say that field is one Tesla. And let's say the area it's running through is one meter squared then your magnetic flux is just one Tesla meter squared, which actually also has a unit called a Weber. Okay, okay. Now, you can actually conserve that flux, but constricting it into a smaller and smaller area so that for the same amount of flux, you're going to have a way higher magnetic field. Strength. Okay, so like 
if you took a handful of spaghetti, yeah, the spaghetti strands represent the magnetic field flux lines. Yeah, that's a great analogy because magnetic fields, honestly, the most useful way to visualize this in my studies has been picturing it as actual groups of lines that represent the magnetic field. And then you can describe the strength and the density of that field by talking about like constricting or expanding these lines. And sometimes there are actually waves that travel along magnetic field lines. And so you'll usually describe that as a certain type of wave is like plucking the string of the magnetic field line. And then it it propagates along that way. Oh, so, cool. Just like a guitar string resonating. Right. So it's a very useful image to consider the magnetic field lines here. And so in order to get this high magnetic field, what they do is they compress the liner and magnetic fields have a really hard time penetrating things that conduct electricity. So this metal is a very good conductor, which means that it's very hard for the magnetic field to get through it and out. So if you were squeezing this liner in, it's like you described, it's like you're holding a handful of spaghetti or you put a rubber band around that spaghetti and you start tightening it and you can imagine that it would it would start to constrict. Okay. And it'd start to get pretty hard to condense it after a certain point, right? Well, yes, it is hard to condense. And the reason why it takes these insane experiments to do this is because the magnetic field actually is storing energy in it. Whoa. Okay. So you're trying to compress this thing that has a lot of energy. So is it pushing back then? Yeah. Actually, what's crazy is that the magnetic field has an actual pressure associated with it. Really? Just like water would be pushing back or some other force? Yeah. Like the way that, that a balloon has a pressure inside of it. If you were to try to squeeze a balloon in, it's pushing back because that's a pressure force. The magnetic field actually exerts a literal pressure on objects. And so as this liner is compressed, it becomes harder and harder to do it because that magnetic field is getting stronger and stronger inside of it. And the pressure force actually goes up with the square of the magnetic field strength. Okay, so if you start with a very strong magnetic field, which they are, as they compress this liner, this metallic liner, the pressure must be growing to extraordinary forces. Yeah, it gets very extreme. So the reference they use here, they say that a field strength of 1,000 Tesla, now remember that this field that they've produced here is 1,200 Tesla. A field strength of 1,000 Tesla produces a pressure force of, now pressure is measured in force per area. So we're going to be talking in newtons per meter squared, where a newton is like a person who weighs 100 kilograms would put, a f like if they stood on you, that's a force of 1,000 newtons. Okay. Now, this 1,000 Tesla field pressure force exerts 4 times 10 to the 11th newtons per meter squared. Wow. So that's like a force 100 million times greater than someone who weighs 100 kilograms. Yeah. it's I mean, it's completely, you can't even imagine how strong that is. Not even in the same ballpark. Right. It's like four times 10 to the 11 is like, they may as well have just said it's a kajillion newtons per meter square. <laughs> a kajillion billion? <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it sounds made up. It's so, it's so big. So that's the kind of forces that they're dealing with here when they're producing fields like this, which hopefully gives you an understanding of why their machine blew up from doing this experiment. Yeah. That's incomprehensible how strong that force is. Yeah. So I want to talk about how they actually go about compressing this liner, though. Yeah, that seems like it's non-trivial how you just compress this metal sheath that's also being pushed back against by the strong magnetic flux. Yeah, I mean, overcoming those fields is no joke at all. One way that this has been done in the past, and they do still do this, but it's, it's not a very good method, 
is that they literally use TNT to compress this thing. Really? Yeah. So they have like a tube of explosives and then inside of that is the liner and they just blow it up and it forces the whole thing inside. I mean, they make the magnetic field, then they blow it up, it compresses the liner and they get a really strong field that way. Whoa, that's just insane. I mean, it's got to take a crazy amount of engineering to so you don't just blow everything up and not compress it. Like to actually achieve compression using TNT. I know. Must be nuts. But yeah, the way that they can actually control that the liner will actually go inwards and not just like rip apart every direction. Well, I, I would love to see an experiment like that. I know. I'm not really sure how, how they design it that way. But what is crazy is that they actually do destroy their experiment every time they run it. They can't. It's a very uncontrollable experiment. They don't get to run this several times under the same conditions. They, they blow up all their instrumentation in the experiment <laughs> with it every time they run it. That sounds very difficult to repeat as well if everything's blown up. It is. And that's actually something that this paper here, the Nakamura paper, talks about is that the TNT method, it's called explosively driven flux compression. This explosively driven method is not reliable because it ha- it actually they have to do it outdoors. They go to explosives ranges and the scientists sit in bomb shelters. Oh, wow. Okay. So is Nakamura's group then investigating a different way of doing it? I imagine they're not using TNT, I hope, if they are doing it indoors. No, they're, so they're not using TNT. What theirs is is called electromagnetic flux compression, or EMFC. And here's where there's a little bit of the misleading aspect of this. And the paper itself is actually almost even misleading in this sense. A lot of the articles, too. This record that they've set, 1200 Tesla, is not actually the world record for strongest magnetic field ever produced. Oh, interesting. Because I remember one of the headlines, I believe, said, like, strongest magnetic field ever recorded. Yes. Something like that. Which is not true. The strongest one ever recorded actually came from the explosively driven method. That was in, I think, 2001. They got a field of 2800 Tesla. Wow. So over twice. Yes, which is just insane. It's over twice as strong. And now remember that that force scales as the square of the field strength. So the force that they're dealing with in that case is actually four times as strong as the crazy force that was experienced in this experiment. Wow. But if you're a physicist, it's on the same order of magnitude. <laughs> yeah. What's, a, what's four times between friends? <laughs> yeah, that explosively driven method has been actually experimented with since like 1960. Wow. Yeah, they've been doing it for a long time. It no surprise, it was pioneered by the Russians. Just go blow things up, get a strong field. Uh, I'm not really sure how to do this, but uh, let's just throw some TNT in there and see how it goes. Yeah, I'm, I don't want to know how much money they spent rebuilding the experiment every time. You know? <laughs> yeah, better not to know. So now the reason, you, you're starting to understand why they want to find different methods of producing these fields. Yeah, absolutely. What this group at University of Tokyo is doing, it's indoors. It's using an experimental setup that they can use again and again. And the way that they produce all this energy is actually with electricity instead of TNT. Wow. Okay. So in my mind, when I'm comparing TNT and electricity, my initial thought is that you need a lot of electricity to come anywhere close to the explosive power of TNT, even if they're only half as much as the record-breaking magnetic field of 2800 Tesla. The fact that they're even close to that means they must be using a ton of electricity, right? Yeah, it's actually crazy. I've seen one of these experiments that they were using for fusion, not for this solid-state physics that, that this group is doing. But I've seen one of these, and literally it's a this giant room. Ceiling is the height of like a warehouse, and the room is hundreds of feet by hundreds of feet. 
just completely filled with capacitors. Oh my God. The explosive power of that is unreal. It's wild. So the, these capacitors are just holding a whole lot of electrical charge on them. They charge these up over like days. And for people who aren't familiar, what exactly is a capacitor? So capacitor is just at its basic level, you basically just have two metal plates and you can run a voltage across them and they'll eventually charge up to a state where they're holding a lot of electrical energy. Okay, so it's sort of like a battery in the sense that it's a device that holds energy. It sort of is, and you charge it up, and then if you are to short this capacitor, basically to get rid of the gap between these plates, and you just run a wire between them instead, all of that charge will dump through into the current, or into the wire, and become an extremely powerful current. Okay, so you basically just have this huge building just storing a ton of energy to be dumped all at once into this device, right? Yeah, and so the capacitor banks that they used on this experiment are storing five megajoules of energy, five million joules. I don't even have a reference to compare that to. That's a lot of joules. Yeah, so for reference, one lightning bolt will produce about 500 megajoules of energy. So we're approaching lightning bolt levels of total energy, but... The actual current running through the lightning bolt, current is this is what will actually kill you. Current is what <laughs> produces the heat and will mess up your body. <laughs> uh, the actual current running through a lightning bolt is 30,000 amps. This experiment discharges a current of 4 million amps. 4 million amps? Yeah. It's a terrifying amount. That's terrifying. Yeah. I mean, your phone's probably running on milliamps. Oh, yeah. Like fractions of a fraction of an amp. Yeah. I mean, like one amp is enough to kill you, right? Like to stop your heart. Yeah, less than that. Yeah. Four million amps would literally, I mean, you'd just be vaporized. If you were shocked by this, you you wouldn't even exist anymore. Wow. Just to put that into another perspective too, a kilocalorie, like a normal calorie that we see on a box of food is 4,000 joules. 4,000 joules. So this is, oh, that is kind of a disappointing way to think of this actually. Because that means that this, at 5 million joules, this is only about 1,000 calories worth of food. Only 1,000 calories worth of food. Yeah, that's a little disappointing. Well, I mean, maybe that just puts into perspective how much energy your body is using on a daily basis. But the real thing here is is the power. Like, energy is one thing, but 1,000 calories that you eat is expended over the course of 12 hours. Which, yeah. And so energy over time is really your power. And if you dump this all this energy out in one instant, the instantaneous power is insane. Yeah, so this experiment is actually, they're dumping all this energy in about 40 microseconds, which is a millionth of a second. So, like, think of all of that energy just condensed into the tiny, I mean, it really is, it's like a lightning strike. That's that's really the best way to think about it, yeah. Yeah. So what do they do with all that energy? It's not like that creates an explosion the same way that TNT does, right? I would hope not, yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's just sitting in the room. It's not going to, you know, if you light a match, you're not going to suddenly blow up the room. Okay. Um, so What they do actually is that they use this metal liner as a coil, and they run the current through the liner itself. Oh, okay. And what's interesting, in electromagnetics, there's this thing called the J cross B force, where J describes a current and B describes a magnetic field. And what it says is that the interaction of a current and a magnetic field produces a force that's perpendicular to both of them. Okay. So if you align the field 
in the right way and then you align this current in the right way, it will actually produce a force that is pushing radially inwards on the metal at all points of the liner. No way. Yeah. Wow. So they're actually just using the current and the magnetic field to compress this liner? Yeah. So when they run the current through it, it just creates this force that literally crushes it down. And as it's, here's what's crazy. As it's crushing, because you're not, you can't lose mass of this thing. I mean, eventually it vaporizes, right? But as it's crushing down, you can't lose mass. And so the thickness of the liner walls is getting thicker and thicker, which is actually acting to push the inner radius of it smaller and smaller. Wow. More so than just the compression. If I could see a video of that, that would just be amazing. Could you imagine seeing that? Like you turn on the switch and the current's running through and there's a magnetic field and it's like through no physical action, you just see this thing compress. Yeah. And when you know it's like this very strong, rigid metal that you couldn't put a dent in if you punched it. And then there it is crushing down getting thicker and thicker and smaller and smaller it's like magic it is i mean it is like magic that's what we said at the beginning is that this magnetic field stuff is a little bit of witchcraft yeah definitely definitely magical wow i think if hogwarts existed this is probably what their labs would be doing not growing talking plants and stuff yeah severus snape was an expert in magnetism (laughs) i'm sure that that's what they say What's really crazy, though, about this compression is how fast the liner moves. Yeah, so they're dumping all this energy in in 40 microseconds, which is 40 millionths of a normal second. Yeah. How long does it take to compress? Well, 40 microseconds. But, <laughs> but <laughs> All right, well, that's fair. But they're starting from a size of like a couple centimeters across, I think, and they end up with this volume that's only two millimeters in diameter. Wow. So just imagining this, like, in 40 microseconds, you wouldn't even have time to see it shrink. It would just be like, you pop the switch and instantly this thing is... Oh, it's instant, yeah. Wow. And uh, the actual speed of compression is 5 kilometers per second. Holy cow, that's nuts. (laughs) I know, that's how fast this little metal can is crushing inwards. Do you think with a GoPro you could actually capture this? Or would, like, the strength of that... (laughs) The the strength of that magnetic field would just zap, like, this... It would send the GoPro flying. Yeah, you wouldn't catch it with a GoPro. It's 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 too fast. You'd need like a, a crazy high-speed camera, like millions of frames per second kind of thing. Someone out there, Bill Gates, if you're listening, you need <laughs> to invest in a camera so we can visualize this. Yeah, well, actually, you know, why don't I show you? They do have a camera. I think it honestly is a GoPro. Of just, It's more like a top view of their little experimental room, almost like a CCTV but this is why this is why this story went viral is that the video they published of this where it blows up their experiment is it's crazy here let me show you this there you go. oh whoa there are sparks everywhere there are flames the whole room is covered in smoke yeah oh it's so sad at the beginning you see this beautiful pristine experiment in this room that must have cost millions of dollars in both equipment and person hours, and it's just gone in 40 microseconds. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. That was powerful. I mean, they're probably still cleaning this up now. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever this was run, probably a year or two ago. Wow. So, do you know what caused it to blow up? I mean, given that <laughs> amount of energy, I would be like, it's going to blow up no matter what you do. But Yeah, I think it was the magnetic field that caused it to blow up. <laughs> <laughs> but they must have had some confidence that it wouldn't blow up, right? Actually, yes. The author of this paper 
was very confident that it wouldn't blow up. He, there's a quote here in the IEEE Spectrum paper. He says, I designed the iron housing to endure against about 700 Tesla, which is about, the article here says, that's about 60% of the 1,200 that it actually produced. And then he says, I didn't expect it to be so high. <laughs> well, oh. obviously not. So in, it's like, in one regard, the experiment was a failure because the machine blew up. But in another regard, it's like they were more successful than they could have hoped because they were 40% stronger than they yeah. expected. Yeah. And, you know, you don't think that's a huge difference because you think like, oh, well, maybe they had a sort of a margin of safety here. But remember what I said, the force goes up with the square. So that about two times stronger field is actually a four times stronger force. So like normal engineering, yeah, maybe you'd have a safety factor of twice. Yeah. Like, 50% margin or something. Yeah. So but, this just went way beyond what they expected. Wow. And just totally ripped the machine apart. And it's it's pretty sad. That's but, dramatic, yeah. But what's cool is actually that they expect that, like, this is not a hard limit. That if they just design a stronger machine, they expect they're going to be able to get to 1,500 Tesla the next time they do this. Dang, that's awesome. Yeah. Wow, it's, just 25% increase already. That's Yeah, and actually this group, and here's why I say that this story really only got picked up in the news because of this video. This group has set this world record for an indoor magnetic field several times before. Like they call out these previous records and they say that notable progress has been made by the Institute for Solid State Physics at the University of Tokyo. But that's them. They're just (laughs) referring to themselves. And then they call out uh, their first record was a 730 Tesla field. And then they got a 985 Tesla field. I think these were all in actually this same machine. And then oh, this wow. most recent time was the 1200 Tesla that blew it up. So now they're just going to go build a new machine that's stronger and just keep bumping that up. Wow. I, I mean, I don't know if there's like a theoretical limit or anything either. So, No, it'll be fascinating to keep an eye on this going forward and see what they achieve. Yeah. Now, you might be wondering, what is the point of all of this? Why go through all this trouble blowing up these rooms and putting people in harm's way? Well, not really putting people in harm's way, but... Why go through all the trouble of creating a really strong field? Is it just for bragging rights? or? Yeah, I was wondering that. It seems like that's a lot of work and a lot of cleanup <laughs> yes. for a project. So yeah. what, what is it applicable to? So the application, I think what they're specifically working on here is solid state physics, which I'm not even going to pretend to really know anything about. But I think this type of field is very useful for experiments to test certain theories in solid state physics because it allows for these really tiny electron orbits that I think change the behavior of some materials. What I do know more about is the application of this to fusion energy. Okay. So fusion is this field that's been around for several decades that always seems to be just out of our reach where we're going to produce this seemingly infinite clean energy from these reactors using milligrams of fuel and you can power millions of homes with that. That's a lot like how the sun operates, right? Yeah, fusion reaction. The, the sun is just a giant fusion reactor. So fusion is where you take, there's a couple different types of fusion, but think of it basically, you take two hydrogen atoms, you smash them together at a high energy, and they fuse to form a helium atom. And then they release these very high energy particles in that process that can be captured for fueling more reactions and also producing electricity. Now, modern approaches to fusion energy are to compress a plasma down into a really tight volume so that it has a super high density and a super high temperature so that those reactions can occur. What's a plasma again? So plasma is basically just a soup of charged particles. The sun is actually a plasma. 
Okay. A fluorescent light bulb is a plasma. A neon sign, that's plasma. So sort of like a super hot charged pressurized gas? Yes. It's a gas of ions and electrons. What fusion does is make a plasma out of the fusion reactants, like these two, like hydrogen, or I think a common one is deuterium, which is a form of hydrogen. And in order for fusion reactions to take place at a level where they produce more energy than they consume, you need two things. One is a very high density, and the other is long enough time for the reactions to occur on a meaningful scale. Okay, so like in the case of the sun, because it's so massive, it has a lot, it has its own huge gravitational pull that keeps everything in and keeps them really condensed. Exactly. So the sun, all that gravity force is pushing to get that really high density. And then since it's so large, you get this really long time for the reactions to occur. And so it's a self-sustaining fusion reaction. Okay. On, that's not feasible on Earth. Exactly. On Earth, it's much, much harder to do that because we don't, we can't build something the size of the sun or even remotely close to it. So what they tried to do on Earth is either focus on the long time side of it or on the high density side of it, because it's really the product of the two that matters. These magnetic fields are really useful for the high density side of things. Like I said, these magnetic fields actually produce a literal pressure force, much like a gas does. The plasma is also producing a pressure force. So in order to crunch this plasma down, which is trying to escape due to its own pressure, you need to use pressure from the magnetic field to crunch it in. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So one way that this is done is using exactly this technique with the metal liner and everything, but instead of just having empty space with a magnetic field inside, you actually have a plasma inside of it, and the plasma, similar to the magnetic field, can't escape that metal. And so as you're crunching it down, you get this super high-density plasma in the middle, and then there's some way that you can extract, ideally, once this actually works, there's some way that you can extract the power from that fusion reaction going on in that tiny little volume inside the metal. Wow. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's really cool. So this is a big a big step towards experiments like that. You mentioned they're doing solid state, but it sounds like if you're in the area of fusion, fusion research, this is an exciting paper for you too. Yes, definitely. I think that this will go a long way towards informing fusion researchers how they can better form these fields and, and get their plasmas more compressed. Wow. So with all that you learned from reading the paper and comparing that to the headlines then... What did you think? How was, did pop science do? Honestly, the articles about all of this were pretty spot on. I mean, there was a couple that had that little bit of mischaracterization saying, oh, this is a, the highest magnetic field ever produced. That's not really true. It's the highest controlled magnetic field produced in this indoor setting. Okay. Like using this, this sort of technique. That said, I really liked the Newsweek article. Headline was record-breaking magnetic field 50 million times stronger than Earth's created by scientists. They actually showed some of like the plots from the paper that came out of their instruments, which are kind of boring and dry to the general public. But then they slapped in the background of the plot a screenshot from the video of the machine being exploded. And so it's a cool way to actually grab people's attention to say, oh, here, look at these plots. Because everyone's going to skim right over just a generic, boring-looking plot. But they kind of put the screenshot behind it to draw your eye and then actually make you look at data that someone produced, that someone probably spent months producing that's really cool actually though too because it's like the numbers and the quantities of like energy and magnetic flux are just like unfathomable 
to even like me who has a very small experience studying that stuff. So to actually overlay that and be like, well, this is what happens when you actually generate this much magnetic field. Yeah. This thing explodes and you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it was was a cool little graphic. And they also dive into the sort of this magnetic confinement fusion, the applications behind all this. And they talk about the old Russian research. They also even interview a couple other scientists who work in this field, one from California State University, one from University of Warwick. And they get them to comment on this achievement and kind of where more challenges still lie and put it into context. It was it's very thorough. I would definitely go read the Newsweek article if you want to read this without having to dig into the paper. That's great. Yeah, we'll post a link to that too on the website. For sure. So yeah, overall, this paper was super cool. I think the research that they're doing is very fascinating. And hopefully this serves as a good vehicle for teaching people more about magnetic fields. Because like we figured out at the beginning, everyone knows about magnetic fields, but no one really knows what they actually are, right? No, I, I know a little bit more thanks to your paper, but I'm still in the dark. <laughs> yeah, so I hope that anyone who listened to this can go away and say, I know a little bit more about magnetic fields now. Well, thanks for bringing that in. That was a great article. If you're listening and you have more questions about magnetic fields or any of the science that we covered today or in other episodes, please hit us up. Uh, you can leave us a review on iTunes. Contact us by email at paperboyspod at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at paperboyspod. We love Twitter. We'll get back to you ASAP. So let us know. Yeah, we are guaranteed to respond. We also love iTunes reviews. I am always telling Every time we get a new review, I text James, no matter what time of day, and I say, oh my God, someone else listened to our podcast. It's true. It's true. Make Charlie happy. Leave us an iTunes review. Make my week, please. Well, thanks again, and please join us next week for another exciting edition of Paper Boys. Thanks for listening.